God, because of the blood of Christ, we have been released. Recorded? No pit can hold you because of what Christ did for you. Do you hear me? No pit can hold you. And I love, 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 love verse 12. Return to the stronghold of security and prosperity, you prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will restore double your former prosperity to you. Now, what's he saying? If you will be a prisoner of hope, just imagine, and I did this one time, I had a jail cell built for the platform. I got in it, and it had a title on it, Hope. And I said, if you will be a prisoner of hope, in other words, you just can't get away from hope. You're not going to give up hope. You're locked up with hope. You're in prison with hope. You know, it is impossible to defeat somebody who won't stop hoping that they're going to see change in their life. Now, some of you came in sad, but you're going to go out glad. Some of you maybe even came in mad, and you're going to go out glad. And you're going to have an attitude of confidence and trust that God can take every bad thing that happened to you, and he can work it out for good, and God will not only give you back what you lost, but he will give you double what you lost. I call it getting double for your trouble. Amen. You know, the the devil is always trying to throw us in pits because, frankly, he knows that he's going to be the one that's going to end up in the pit. Not going to take time to go there, but in Revelation 20, the first three verses, it gives a pretty clear description of him being bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. So he's the one that's on the way to the pit, and that's why he's throwing such a fit, trying to keep us in one. You throw a fit on the way to the pit. Amen. Now, when you're on the way from the pit to the palace, and I want you to settle in with me and get this tonight, because, man, I want you to have victory. I don't want you to quit somewhere in the middle. Don't be the kind of person who's always getting started towards some kind of victory, and when it gets a little tough, you run back to the starting line, quit and give up, and then start all over again. These times from the pit to the palace are testing times. They test our character. They develop us into the men and women of God that he needs us to be in order for us to represent him in the earth. You know, when I was, in 1976, God touched my life, and I received a real word from God that I was going to preach the gospel all around the world, which, to be honest with you, was totally, completely ridiculous and impossible beyond impossible. It just, there was just no way unless it was God that it was ever going to happen. And I thought, like most people do when they hear from God, that surely I would just roll out of bed the next morning and have this sick ministry. Well, you know, it didn't happen like that. I had lots of what I call silent years. Years where it was just me and God in my dream that most of the time the devil was telling me I was crazy. And I would get little opportunities. I taught a home Bible study for five years, and then I added the second one somewhere along in there. Then God put me on a shelf, and I did nothing for a year. Boy, that was hard. And, you know, then I worked at a church and came under somebody else's authority for five years, and then I felt like God wanted us to go out, take the ministry north, south, east, and west. And so, you know, then I didn't wasn't getting a paycheck from a church. I was having to believe God for my paycheck. And, I mean, I did so many little teeny tiny meetings in places that nobody would want to be in. I mean, it's nice to be here tonight in the arena that's full of beautiful people. This is, I mean, this is the palace, folks. But I tell you, on my way from the pit to the palace, I had to do a lot of things, 
and be a lot of places where you wouldn't have been too too excited to have been. I remember more than one time going into these little banquet centers and having to clean the chicken legs off the floor from the party the night before before we could set up chairs and have a meeting there. I mean, we used to be just like uh, me, Dave, and this one guy that was the worship leader. We were it. I mean, Dave drove the truck. He got all the resources in. He set them all up. I did the preaching. I did the praying. I did the ministering. And the worship guy could sing, play guitar, play a piano, and he played a drum machine with one foot, and he was the band. Amen. And I did that for years and years and years and years. Well, hey, it's great. Tonight we've got Matt Redman, I mean, one of the greatest worship leaders and songwriters in the world. Now we can get the best of the best. But let me tell you something. I had the guy that could do everything with his foot and the rest of his hands for a lot of years. A lot of years. And I got so tired of it. I want you to listen to me. I got so tired of it. When you have a big vision, you're not excited about little. Come on. And maybe you've got a big vision for your life, whether it's to get out of debt or get married or see your kids change or get your house cleaned up or get, you know, well, whatever. It doesn't have to be to preach. But I hope and pray to God that you've got some kind of vision for something better than what you've got right now. And you know, what God does is while you're on your way to seeing the fulfillment of your dreams, he will give you little tiny glimpses along the way. That there's still a little spark of hope. (laughs) And that's enough for us crazy people to just hold on and believe the impossible and believe that the word of God is really true and it really can happen for us. You can't quit and you can't give up. You've got to pass your test. And I want to tell you something about God. With him, you never flunk. You just get to keep doing takeovers, do-overs, until you pass. So it's up to you if you want to take the same test 200 times. Come on, is anybody getting this? You can take the same test 200 times. But let me tell you something. If you find yourself right now going around and around the same stupid mountain over and over and over and over, why don't you wake up and say, oh, duh, this is not working. Maybe I need to just yield and do what God wants me to. Anybody ready to do that? Just yield and do what God wants you to? Because you know what? God's not going to change his mind. I don't know if you've heard the story, maybe you have, about the donkey that fell in the pit. And uh, his owner looked down in there and said, you know, that's an old donkey and that pit's deep and it would really be a lot of work to try to get him out of there. And since he's old anyway, I think I'll just call some of my friends over and to my neighbors and we're just going to bury him with dirt and just leave him in that pit. So he brought some friends around and they were shoveling dirt on this poor donkey and at first he was just crying piteously. I don't know how a donkey sounds, but really bad, really loud. Just sounded really bad. Just, just sounded terrible. And after just a few shovels, the donkey got real quiet and they thought, well, maybe he's already dead. They didn't know. But they didn't realize what was happening. Every shovel full of dirt that would hit his back, he would shake it off and get on top of it. Come on now. They throw more dirt in, he'd shake it off and get up on top of it. 
And he did that long enough, refusing to give up, and pretty soon there was enough dirt in that pit that it lifted him all the way to the top, and he just walked out. Now, I don't know what you're going to do in your pit with the dirt that's being thrown on you, but I decided to start standing on top of it and get out and head for the palace, and I want you to do the same thing. Well, if you feel discouraged right now or perhaps you feel like giving up, I want you to know that we've all felt that way at times. I also want you to know that God is faithful in every situation. In fact, according to Romans 8.28, God can use whatever you're going through and work it out for good. I love that. That's one of my favorite scriptures. So make your mind up that you are never going to give up. You know why? There's good things right around the corner for you. And you may be going through a difficult time of change. Maybe God's changing you. Maybe some of your circumstances are changing and you don't want them to. And so today we're offering you four hours of teaching called How to Survive Change, How to Navigate the Changes in Our Lives. You know, if you set your mind against change, it's just going to make you miserable because change is always part of our lives. We're also offering you a little paperback book called How to Be Happy and Flourish in Seasons of Change. And I really like this book because it's like a 30-day survival guide. There's 30 different points, one for each day of the month, something that you can do, an action you can take that will help you navigate the changes in your life. You know what? We want God's best for you, and there's no better place to get it than in the Word of God. So you spend time in God's Word on a regular basis, and remember, He loves you and has a great plan for your life. Today, we're offering four teachings on how to survive change. In today's broadcast, you heard a sample of what you'll find in this series. Joyce shares examples from her own life, as well as life's everyday tasks to offer hope and encouragement for your journey. With this teaching series, we'll send you this 30-day survival guide for free. It's How to Be Happy and Flourish in the Season of Change. This paperback by Joyce will help you with practical steps every day that inspire you and keep you growing day by day. For a donation of $25, you'll learn not only how to survive, but how you can flourish and thrive on your journey. Call 1-800-727-9673 or visit us at JoyceMeyer.org. You know, I've just been wondering lately, what is it that makes a person want to leave the comfort and monotony of home to come someplace crazy like this and do a medical clinic? Well, let's ask the volunteer doctors and nurses who do it all the time. Seeing the world is awesome. It's always a great adventure. Because the kids are so amazing. I do this because God put it in my heart to help us. Because it's life-changing. We love it. It's awesome. Because it's really fun. So what do you think? It can't hurt to at least check it out, right? All you need to do is go to our website, JoyceMeyer.org. All the information is there for you. And just think, your adventure may begin today. Well, these are some of the children that we have the privilege of helping around the world. And there are thousands more just like them. These children might not be eating well if we weren't here to help them. And when I say we, I'm talking about those of you who support the ministry and us. We so appreciate your help, and we really want to be able to continue helping children around the world. So I'm asking you today, if you would give a gift to help us with the mission of Hand of Hope, which is the outreach arm of Joyce Meyer Ministries, I believe as you give, it will be multiplied back to you many, many, many times over. So thank you for your help, 
God bless you. And I pray that your peace and your joy would increase. Amen. For your donations today of any amount, we'd like to say thank you with the books of Psalms and Proverbs from the new Battlefield of the Mind Study Bible. Contact us right now, 1-800-727-9673, or go to JoyceMeyer.org. You mean more to us at Joyce Meyer Ministries than you may ever know. We appreciate you, and we thank our friends and partners for making this worldwide ministry possible. Together, we're feeding the hungry, clothing the poor, and presenting the gospel to the nations. Please contact us or visit JoyceMeyer.org today to share your prayer requests, find out more about our resources, see Joyce's conference schedule, and to join us in partnership as we share the love of Christ around the globe. The proceeding was paid for by the friends and partners of Joyce Meyer Ministries. You cannot blame and be blessed at the same time. You can play the blame game or you can be blessed, but you can't be both. Are you overwhelmed by stress, worry, and anxiety? From international best-selling author Joseph Prince comes a brand new book, Live the Let Go Life. This new book is all about helping you break free from stress and worries. The Lord showed me that the more we let go of our cares to Him, the more His supply will flow in every area of our life. I have no doubt that you'll be greatly blessed by the practical lessons in this Get your copy today. Available at all places. Introducing the Hillsong Team Box, an exclusive monthly subscription that delivers everything Hillsong directly to your door. I would love you to help God off a subscription, and we will send you a Team Box, and up with every month, you'll get all sorts of books, resources, information that will help you to feel like you're part of that team and will help us. As Christians, we often struggle with how to deal with troubled or failing relationships and how to heal our marriage or ourselves in the light of the Lord. In her new book, I'm Married, but I feel like I'm single, Pepper Bonet Martin details her emotional journey of loneliness, separation, and eventual divorce. Through her inspirational story, you'll find a divine demonstration of God's ability to repair and restore broken hearts and broken lives. Available at Amazon.com, your local bookstore, or call 1-800-473-5106. That's 800-473-5106.
I want to share something with you in this moment that is the focal point of this series. And I want you to hear it with your heart, not just with your head. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God can't bless Jacob dressed like Esau. God can't bless. I don't know about you, but but there are many me's, okay? There's me as I am, and that guy kind of frustrates me. And then there's me as I wish to be, me as I want to be, me as I hope to be. This guy is awesome. You can meet him, you want to marry him, you'd vote for him, he'd be the president. This guy is consistent. This guy is kind, but this guy gets things done, but he's always kind in how he does it. This guy is disciplined, but he's not rich, and he's fun-loving, too. This guy is amazing. He has an eight-pack, but he can enjoy a dessert and a social occasion. This guy is fantastic. This guy, is, I, call him, I call him fake furtick. Super furtick. Future Furtick is the guy I want to be. Furtick is who I am, so Furtick is who I pretend to be in the meantime. Don't be confused. You got a future you do, because the man I can see, and the man you can see, and then there's the man you wish to be, and so there's the man that you show, and we put all these costumes, and we put all this hair on our necks, and, and Esau's clothes, and what we saw somebody else do, it, and we learn how to talk the talk, and walk the walk, and wear the brands, and do the stuff, and say the stuff, and so we become somebody else only to realize that. That blessing doesn't really count for much. For what good is it the whole world if you lose your very self in the process? What good is the blessing of Isaac if you can't even stay in the house after you got it? What good is Young ladies all over the church dressing a certain way. That it's not really who you are. But it gets you the attention that you want. What good is the attention from people that you have to stress up and pretend to be something else to get the attention of? What kind of love is that? What good is if you lose yourself? Or this will happen to a teenage boy, teenage boy, born with a tender heart, born with a love for people, born with compassion, but, but gets into school and now has to act hard. Because if I don't act hard, they'll think I'm a punk. If they don't, if I don't act hard, they'll 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 take advantage of me. If I don't act hard, they'll 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 they'll, they'll, they'll see through. If I don't act hard, they'll, they'll see me for who I really am. They'll see my compassion. So you build an exterior and you build a facade and you learn how to squint your eyes and you learn how to you, you learn how to cover up the part of who you really are and you learn how to wear Esau's clothes. But what good is it, my brother? What good is it? What good is it to fool Isaac? You may fool Isaac, but you can't fool yourself. You may fool your neighbors, but you can't fool your God. 
there's a preacher watching me online right now. And you want your ministry to grow so badly, and it's not growing the way you want it to. So now you're into copying people and what they do, thinking if you do what they do, you can have what they have. But I want to let you know today that until you get it inside of yourself and find out who God made you to be and be that from the inside out, God can't bless who you pretend to be. God can't anoint your avatar. God can't minister to your mask. God can't save your selfie. I'm Esau. Bless me. And he got the blessing, but he lost himself. Somebody here to say, and you've got the popularity, but you're losing yourself. You've got the possessions, but you're losing yourself. You've got the home, you've got the car, but you're losing your soul. You're losing yourself. What good is it? He can only bless who you really are, not who you pretend to be. And it was take many more years to see this. Twenty-one to be exact. After twenty-one years of running from Esau, he finally decides, I'm going back home. Perhaps there can be reconciliation. Perhaps Esau will forgive me. Perhaps he, he won't kill me. Now, and so he heads back home, and he's had a lot of success. You see, he's worked for his uncle Laban, and, 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 and he's married these, these women, and he's had all these kids. And sometimes it takes you getting all the stuff you thought you wanted to realize that's not really what you needed. And he starts going back home. And on the way back to meet with Esau, because Esau has come out, and we'll read about this one week. You're going to love it. It's a picture of forgiveness. A picture of reconciliation. Because once God has reconciled you to yourself, then he can reconcile you to others. But before he meets with Esau, he wrestles with God. Now, the scripture doesn't say it's God, and Jacob doesn't even really know it's God because, first of all, they're wrestling at night, so he can't see. But in, in the passage, it, it's amazing Hold on, let's do some math. When I read the passage at the beginning of the sermon, how old were you picturing Jacob to be in your mind wrestling with God? I'm thinking like 25, 30, somebody said teenager, a young buck with smooth skin, a shaved chest, strong legs. Remember, he stays among the tents. And yeah, if, I, if I do a little math, this is public school math, but if I do a little math, it would be 76 when he stole the blessing, 21. This man is 97 years old. No wonder his hip went out of socket during the rest of the night. Wasn't the man's fault? Jacob's just old. He's been through some things. He's had some things. He's seen some things. He's lost some things. And he's grabbed by something. Now, all of his life, he's been grabbing on the stuff, but now something grabs on the hell. And that's what happens when grace comes into your life. Something grabs onto him. And I think the key of the whole thing, now, you're going to help me preach this part. 
I'm closing, kind of. It says that after his hip went out, in verse 26, the man said, and this man, most scholars believe, is some form of Jesus. Jesus in some pre-incarnate form. The man said, let me go for its daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I think you can safely assume that you found yourself when you hold on to God, even when it would be easier to let go. When you hold on to God, even when you're hurting in your hip. When you hold on to God, even when you can't clearly see, it's a do you know the tenacity in Jacob? I mean, the same tenacity that made him a schemer and a con man and a deceiver is now working for him because he's got it focused in the right direction. He said, I might be hurting, I might be hobbling, I might be old, I lost some time, I don't even really know who you are, but I will not let and now sometimes you've just got to decide in your life every once in a while, I want this bad enough. I'm sick of faking it. I'm sick of posturing. I'm sick of pretending. I'm sick of posing. I'm sick of proving myself. I'm sick of perfecting. I will not let it go. I'm going after this. This is important. This is significant. This matters. I will not let go. Touch somebody next to you, tell them, don't tap out. Don't tap out. Whatever you do, don't give up now. You might not be winning, but don't let go. You might not be stronger, but just don't let go. They might not be upper hand, but don't let go. But that isn't the part I like. That isn't the part I like. What I like about it is, he said, back to the verse, I will not, 26, I will not let you go. Unless you bless me. See, I've been holding on to heels all my life trying to get blessed. But now, I'm holding on to the only one who really has the power to bless me anyway. (laughs) You see, I was holding on to Esau when I'm born. But now I'm holding on to one who is greater than Esau, who knows who I am and meets with me anyway, face to face, and I will not let you go. So I'm letting go of what people think, and I'm letting go of what people say, and I'm letting go of my past, and I'm letting go of where I can. I can't do anything about that. But as the sun comes up, I want you to know I'm holding on to you. I'm not holding on to sense. Let them think what they want. I'm not holding on to success, whether I succeed or fail. I'm holding on to Jesus. I'm preaching myself so happy right now. I will not let you go. I got a hold of something, and I don't know where it's leading, and I don't know where it's taking me, and I don't even know exactly what it is, because I don't understand everything about you yet. I'm holding on to you. And then it gets weird. The man says, so what's your name? This is a fine time for us to get acquainted. You know, broke my hip, been out here all night, 
And now you want to know my name? But see, we've heard this before. When he went in to Isaac, and Isaac said, who is it? And Jacob said, I am Esau. And he got blessed as Esau 21 years ago. But now it's time for Jacob to get a blessing for himself. And he says, and he says, and he says, verse 27, he says, Jacob, I'm Jacob. The deceiver, the backstabber, I'm Jacob. Heel grabber, supplanter, the one always trying to be first, I'm Jacob. And this angel wants to know, I see who you pretended to be. Who are you really? Okay. I'm out here alone. I've done it my own way, but I'm finally ready to take off Esau's clothes and let go of heels and let go of myself and I just I just tell you like it is. I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. So I am. I struggle. Got some issues. I'm Jacob. And when he admits it, when he finally admits who he is, look, look at the next verse. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Once he admits his real name, God can give him a new one. Because what? You have struggled. You have struggled. It's not always in your successes, but sometimes in your struggle that God will show you who you really are because you struggled with God and with humans and overcome. Oh, aren't you glad God gives you a new name today? Aren't you glad he doesn't call you what you did or who you are, but he calls you what Jesus did, and he said, I'll give you a new name. I'll call you righteous. I'll call you holy. I'll call you pure. I'll call you beloved. Come on, somebody. I got a new name. I love it. I love that he got named Jesus. This is better than Bobcats to Hornets, y'all. This is a name change. Oh, oh, he, he, he didn't just get a new name. He got a new identity. Jacob, Kilgrower, Supplanter. You know what Israel means? Triumphant with God. <laughs> I know I told you to call me Jacob, but I got a new name, too. Jacob is who I am. Israel is who he is in me. I got a new name. But you know what's, what's crazy, Colleen, is that if you read the scripture, you would expect that from this point forward, it would call him by his new name. 
Israel. But if you keep reading, and we will in the coming weeks, you'll see, for the rest of his life, he's called both. Sometimes he's called Jacob. Sometimes he's called Israel. And I wondered, why would God give him a new name if he wasn't going to use it all the time? And then I realized it's because change is complicated. Just because I have a new name doesn't mean I'm not going to have the same struggles. Just because I know God doesn't mean I'm going to completely know myself. It's a process. I use a program called uh, Evernote. It's where I write all my sermons and my song lyric ideas. Things I need from the grocery store, I put everything on Evernote. Have you used it before? What's cool about Evernote, you can sync from your phone to your iPad to your computer. You can sync everything up. It, it all will go on all your devices. You can put it in on your phone and it'll be on your computer when you get home. So I can study for a sermon anywhere because i got it on my phone and my computer. But I want to show you something. This is a screenshot of what happens sometimes. And this is real frustrating because i got all these folders. But do you see all these folders where it says conflicting changes? It, it means you inputted the change, but there wasn't an Internet connection. So you have it on one device, but you don't have it on the other yet. It's frustrating because I go, I think I'm going to put that there. I was supposed to be, where are you? I'm real, I'm real, Jacob. So where, where is it? I'll put the change. Where is it? And life is all about conflicting changes, church. When God calls you something, but you're not yet that. When God calls you Israel, but you still feel like Jacob sometimes. And I wanted you to know God is comfortable in the conflict. He's not intimidated by your inadequacies. And you know how I know it. I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to leave you alone. I promise. This is the very last thing I want to say. You're supposed to say no. We want to hear it all. But I'm going to tell you this and I'll be back next week. Many years later, many years later, because the last thing Jacob asks the angel, he says, uh, what is your name? And the angel doesn't answer him. He doesn't answer him. Why? Because the angel wasn't there to show Jacob who he was. He was there to show Jacob who Jacob was. Jacob had already met God many years earlier, but he hadn't met himself. Lived 97 years and never met himself. There are people in here who have met God, but you've never met you. And that's what's going to happen in this series as you get a connection. Many years past. Jacob is dead. The Israelites that came through his family, they're enslaved in Egypt, and God appears to a man named Moses. Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush. And this is going to touch you. I'm telling you, this is going to touch you. This ministered to me deeply. And Moses asks God the same thing Jacob asked God. He said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And, and here, here's a verse I preached a lot before. He said, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, I preach that verse a lot, but I never preach the next one. And I'm going to leave you with it today. Because the next thing God said to Moses is, Say to the Israelites, when they want to know who I am and what kind of God I am, tell them, the Lord, 
the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and I'm thinking he's going to say the God of Israel, because this is Jacob's good side. That's the new Jacob. If you're God and you want to make yourself known, wouldn't you call yourself the God of Israel? Wouldn't you want to be the God of their good side? Wouldn't you want to be the God of the guy who, who was changed in the wrestling match? But yet he says to Moses, and he says to you today, if you want to know who I am, you need to understand. I'm the God of Jacob too. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of that part of you that you don't want anybody to see. I'm not just the God of your success. I'm the God of your struggle. I'm the God of Jacob too. I'm not just the God of your victories. I'm the God of your defeats. I'm the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob is in this place. His name is Jesus. He's full of mercy. Full of grace. Full of truth. Oh, God of Jacob. He's the God of Jacob. He's the God of the best player. He's the God of the hopeless. He's the God of the skeptic too. He's the God of my lonely places. You know, we enjoy so much these times that we get to spend with you, and we want to go a little bit deeper today. This series, God of Jacob, revolves around a character whose life is really, really full of drama. Yes. Now, I don't know if that describes your life or somebody you know, but for most of us, we can relate to the guy. Did you just point at me? Did you just point at me? <laughs> I know you didn't just point at me. Okay, well, excuse us. We'll work this out off camera. But we're talking about all those things in our daily life, whether it's in a marriage, apparently, or, or whether on your job, or whether you're believing God for a job, or whether you're in a place right now where you just feel like, no, I'm not worth anything. I, I, God couldn't have a plan for somebody like me. Here's the thing about Jacob, and here's the thing about you. God used the person who was the least likely to, to be one of the central characters in all of Scripture. And I believe God has a blessing in store for you, regardless of where you are right now, that is beyond anything you could ask or imagine. Yeah, I love that because it ministers to me. It tells me that God can use me too. And I think it can be so easy for us to focus on our weaknesses or our mistakes that we've made in our past and think God could never do an amazing thing in me because of all of my flaws. But that's just not true. God can use you. Look, I know you want to do some things differently, me too. I know you want to be in the center of God's best for you, but, but sometimes uh, like you're falling off the cliff on the edges. I understand that. I know that you want to catch a vision for what God wants you to be. And I also know that getting a glimpse of how he sees you, how he really sees you, not what people say about you, not even how you see you, how he sees you, it's essential to that process. So I want to put all five of these messages in your hands. The series is called God of Jacob. And even just to remember the power of that series when I was preaching it, it does something inside of me. And today it can be yours with a gift of any amount to this ministry. See, when you know how God sees you, the truth gets in your heart, 
you'll think differently, and you'll discover your new name in Christ. I'm going to teach you about that in this series for your gift of any amount. So call right now, and as you call, remember you're making a difference. We want to thank you for standing with us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of us wrestle with the gap between our weaknesses and our dreams, between what others say about us and who God says we are meant to be. There's somebody in the room who's been labeled by somebody and called something based on something that you went through. But unless you make something, you don't get to name it. Only the maker has naming rights. I was just praying that somebody would peel off a label that somebody has given you because of a moment in your life and say, I don't think so. Only the Father has naming rights. God, Jacob, is about understanding your identity in light of who God is. It's about coming to terms with the good, the bad, and the unmentionable in your life and learning to let God use you. You don't get to choose everything that comes into your life. But you do, as a child of God, get to choose what you call whatever comes in to your life. Today, with your gift of any size, we will send you the five-part teaching series, God of Jacob. And with a gift of $100 or more, you can receive the complete God of Jacob collection, which includes the five-part teaching series on DVD, as well as the God of Our Struggle booklet and Pastor Stephen's brand-new book, Unqualified. Call right now, go online to request, or text the word Unqualified to the number 41444.
And I would love you to become part of a subscription where we will send you a team box. In other words, every month you will get all sorts of books, resources, information that will help you to feel like you're part of our team and will help us to take this great message forward. Introducing the Hillsong Team Box, an exclusive monthly subscription that delivers everything Hillsong directly to your door. Here's how it works. Each month we'll send you this Hillsong Team Box full of exclusive resources at 50% off, free shipping in the U.S., and no hidden fees. A combination of worship, books, t-shirts, apparel, devotionals, and more. Join a group of people across the globe who are bringing the hope of Jesus to humanity. Visit Hillsong.com forward slash team to join today. Hillsong Channel Now. The brand new video on demand service is here. We come and see all around the world. And for a limited time, you can access original series and hit shows entirely for free. This calls for great celebration. Head to HillsongChannelNow.com and discover your favorite shows on your favorite device. Hillsong Channel Now. Anytime, anywhere. Bible, but God still used them. 
And so no matter where you find yourself today, if you've been divorced or maybe you're here today and you're walking through a, a painful experience in your marriage or maybe you're single, God wants to use you and he wants to write a great love story that the movies don't have anything against what the original love story God has for you. You know, Huffington Post did an article, their famous news outlet, they did this article on a study from Michigan where they studied 625 college students, 300 females, 325 males, and they asked them questions about romance and marriage, and they asked them, what shows do you watch? What movies do you watch? A lot of them said, well, I watch The Bachelor, or I watch, you know, uh, Real Housewives of, of whatever. They've got Real Housewives of every city now. I watch, you know, Millionaire Matchmaker. Well, I watch all these love movies, romance movies. And then they begin to ask them questions about how they view men and how they view women and how they view what a happy marriage looks like or a happy relationship. And the results were crazy. So much of our decisions are shaped by the movies that we watch and the shows that we watch. And this is not a series to say stop watching movies, stop watching shows, but more just to take a step back and go, do I want to let them define what my marriage should look like, how I should treat men, how I should view women? No, I've got to go back to... God's Word. And most of the times, the thoughts that we have come from, and the behavior that we have come from little lies that the enemy has planted at a very young age. You know, Paul was saying in Romans 12, verse 2, if you want to change your behavior, you have to change your thoughts. Right? Look at Romans 12, verse 2 again. He says, don't copy the behavior of this world, but instead let God change the way you think. So if God can change the way you think, he can change the way you behave in your marriage. He can change the way that you behave towards that person or the way that you're acting in that relationship. But it begins by changing your thoughts. And your thoughts are shaped by beliefs that have been wedged down there deep beneath the surface when the cameras aren't rolling, the pictures you don't post on Instagram, the private situations that you don't really deal with, what lies beneath the surface? And if we can get beneath the surface, we can begin to change our thoughts, and we can change our marriages, and we can have marriages that are better than the movies. Amen, church? So what lies beneath the surface? Last week, I was watching the news, and true story, this little boy was walking into his bathroom in Abilene, Texas. And when he came into his bathroom, he was getting ready to use the restroom, and out of the toilet was slithering a rattlesnake in his bathroom. And the little boy screams, ah, mom, you know, and he just his mom. His mom's like, go get a shovel and shut the door. So he shuts the door. He grabs a shovel. She calls a snake removal company. They have snake removal companies in this part of Texas. And, and the, the guy, she's like, you got to get over here now. There's a snake in my bathroom. The guy was taking his time. And how many of y'all know the woman shall crush the head of the serpent? She grabbed that shovel, man, and she went to down on that rattlesnake. She killed that rattlesnake. She crushed his head and and the snake removal guy gets in there, and he's like, why did you kill this snake? And she's like, are you kidding me? And he goes, well, I like to save snakes and release them into the wild. And she's like, I'm killing any snake in my house. And uh, I, I love that attitude of that mama. They, they actually put this conversation in the news. Then the guy said, well, if you find one snake, chances are there's more. And he said, let me look around your house. And he began to, he had his prong, and began to poke around behind cabinets, behind drawers, looking underneath the sink, looking around the bedrooms, and looking underneath the beds. And he said, is there any holes under or around the house that I could crawl under? And she said, yeah, there's a big one back here. And he began to crawl under the house, and he found a den of more than 20 rattlesnakes living under the house, massive rattlesnakes. And he said, Dan... 
these snakes have been living here for a long time. You wouldn't have known it until that one rattlesnake began to surface in the bathroom. I tell you that story because some of us in this room, we don't realize what's beneath the surface in our hearts. The lies that the devil has tried to plant in our minds and in our hearts. If you want to know why someone's behaving a certain way, why someone keeps on cheating, why someone keeps on lying, why someone has a hard time trusting men, why someone has a hard time loving other people, why someone screams and gets angry every time over the smallest thing, you've got to look beneath the surface. Because beneath the surface, it's not just something that happened this month or this week. I mean, this goes way back to something that happened between her and her daddy when she was like four years old. This happened when you were there and when your parents divorced and something alive from the enemy seeped in and started planting these seeds. And you know what God spoke to me today is to challenge all of us in this room to look beneath the surface today in our own hearts and allow the Holy Spirit not to bring condemnation, But to come with that little prong, that conviction to say, let's pull that out of there. That's not going to help your marriage. That's not going to help your relationships. Whether you're married or not, let me just help you become a healthy you. And to become a healthy you, we've got to let the gardener, the great gardener, come and pull out the weeds. Going to catch me some fish today. Got my bait, my hook. Now I just got to get the right swing here. That was beautiful. You see, fishing is all about getting the right bait out there, throwing it right where the fish are, trying to find that school of fish, that church of fish, that married couple of fish, that family. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, this is so cheesy. What is she talking about? This is ridiculous. But listen, guys. Satan is not foolish. He has a strategy. He has faith that he wants to use to pull you away from God's plan for your life, for your relationships, your marriage. The enemy knows the right faith to try and pull you out of that church, to try and pull you away from those friends God's called you to be with, to try and pull you away from that marriage he's called you to be committed to. And he uses the bait of offense. We need to recognize that the devil is dangling that bait. He wants to get it right in front of your face. He wants to hook you around just like this and pull you away from that relationship. The devil knows there's power in relationships. The devil knows there's power when the church is united, when a married couple is united, when they're working together, when they're forgiving each other. The devil knows when a family gets united, they are unstoppable. They could put thousands to flight. In other words, They can do so much more for the kingdom of God when they're walking in mercy and forgiveness. So what does the devil try to do? He dangles the bait of offense. How can I get this family mad at each other? How can I get these church people angry with each other? How can I get this marriage split up and divided where the husband is angry at the wife or the wife is angry at the husband? And so he dangles that bait. Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your family, maybe at your workplace trying to get you offended. They should have done something nicer. They should have talked to you nicer. They, they shouldn't have treated you like that. The devil loves to throw these feelings of offense that just get you bitter and angry. And ultimately, here's what he's doing. He's hooking you, man. He's pulling you away from God's purpose and plan. Don't take the bait. I'm challenging you. Don't take the bait of Satan in your life. 
Don't take the bait of offense. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to get offended. It's not worth it to hold on to that bitterness, that resentment, that grudge. I'm telling you, life is way too short for you to waste it carrying offense and being pulled away by the bait of Satan. I think the enemy wants to divide families, to get people so upset, so hurt, so offended, that instead of sowing love, we so hate back. And there's a quote out there in the world that says, hurt people, hurt people. But you know, you don't have to pass on the cycle of hurt any longer. You don't have to pass on the baton of hatred in your family. You can break the cycle today. You have the choice to show love. Ephesians chapter 5 shows us who to model, who to imitate, who is our uh, model for love. How are we supposed to treat people? And Paul could have said, you know, follow the movies, follow the reality TV shows. They really know what love looks like. They really know how to treat men, how to treat women. No, Paul said, let me tell you who to imitate. And I don't know about you, but when I watch a movie or when I watch a show, I start relating to the characters. And when I was younger, if it was the Mighty Ducks, man, I signed up for hockey. If it was the Little Giants, I signed up for football. If it was the Three Ninjas, I signed up for karate. I wanted to imitate the movies. But Paul says, let me show you who to imitate. Let me show you the life to live. Don't even imitate the leaders that are in your life. They're good people, but ultimately, you need an example who's perfect. You can pray for the president, pray for the government leaders, but when it comes time to imitate someone, let me show you who to imitate. Ephesians 5, verse 2, he says, Live a life filled with love, following the example of who? Following the example of the movies? Following the example of CNN? Of the White House? Of Fox News? No, he says, follow the example of Jesus. Not what you see on TV or the movies and There are some good movies out there, but let's be honest, 90% plus are not showing us the right example of how to treat people. Paul says, follow the example of Christ. Live a life filled with love. Take your cues from Jesus. And if there was one person who lived a life filled with love, that, that turned the other cheek, that went the extra mile, that took time to love on people, it was Jesus. And I think there's five ways that we can live this love out. I want to give it to you today, and the first one is words. Our words have the power to show the love of Jesus on a daily basis. Our words can bring healing or our words can bring harm. Our words can lift people up or our words can tear people down. Our words can start wars and our words can stop wars. We have the power with our words. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger. So when strife is flying in your home or flying in a relationship with a coworker, with a boss, with your spouse, with your roommates, you can stop the strife with a gentle answer, a gentle tongue. You have the power of life and death in your tongue. He goes on to say, harsh words make tempers flare. Proverbs chapter 12 says, love covers a multitude of sins. You have the power in the midst of, of turmoil and strife and anger and offense You can cover that sin with words of love. We've got a balloon with me right here. This is kind of us on a daily basis, right? This is our self-esteem, our confidence, our sense of, of, of feeling worthy. That when someone speaks words of life over us, it's like this. Air goes into our heart. Air goes into our self-esteem. We feel more confident. The more that someone says, you're a champion. Paul, you're doing a great job. Ashley, you're beautiful. You're an amazing mom. You're an amazing wife. And it takes time. 
time to build up that self-esteem. It takes time to build up someone's confidence. In fact, it takes so much longer to build this up than it does with one word to deflate it. One word. But all of us need encouragement. For us to pretend like we don't need words of encouragement, we are cutting off the life supply that God wants to bring into our hearts. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, I'm not going to speak words of encouragement until someone speaks words of encouragement to me. But pride is like that. Pride waits. Selfishness is all about me. Who's going to encourage me? Who's going to blow my balloon up? Who's going to blow my self-esteem up? But love initiates. Love initiates. Love says, I'm sorry. I forgive you. Love says, I believe in you. Love says, you are special to me. Love doesn't wait for someone else to speak words to them. Love initiates the word. When she touched Jesus, immediately the bleeding stopped. Something changed. Jesus looked around. Who touched me? Peter, James, John, they look at Jesus and they go, Jesus, all of us are touching you. We're all here. We're bumping up against you. And a lot of people bump up against Jesus at church. A lot of people show up to church, but few people touch Jesus with faith, with inspiration. They say, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I need a miracle. I need God to heal my marriage. I need God to heal me. Being thankful is the key to a happy, faith-filled life. It's even more important that we recognize that each blessing comes from God. With Dr. Paul's new gratefulness journal, you can start and end your day by recording your blessings and meditating on God's Word. This easy-to-use interactive journal will guide you through the thankfulness process, an action plan for each day and a reflection every night. If you shift your heart to an attitude of gratitude, you find greater happiness, faith, and a deeper relationship with God. Using this interactive journal is a record of your thoughts and prayers. You'll be amazed to look back and see how your relationship with God has grown in depth and devotion. All because of the simple reflection of His lessons and purpose for your life. This is your free gratefulness journal today by calling 1-800-760-2360 or go online to pulldoherty.org. Your breakthrough is connected to your gratitude. Get your gratefulness journal today. This story is about the gospel, about the Great Commission, and about you. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he has called us, you and me, to join him in this mission. And we are reaching out to the nations like never before. But God has so much more. We will expand our outreach to more cities and more states, more countries, and that means more people. More of the lost reached, the wounded rescued, the hopeless revived. Partnering together, we can reach more people. We can see people experience victory. Together, we can spread the message of Jesus, fulfill the Great Commission, and we can do all of that because of you. Partner with us today. The devil loves to use lies to hold us back from walking in forgiveness. One of those lies is this. Well, I'm not going to forgive him right now because time heals all things. Time will heal it. Do you realize what you're saying? Time is going to heal a relationship? You're basically saying one of these days the calendar is finally going to fix my family. One of these days my watch is finally going to fix my marriage. Time can't fix what you won't face. 
You can't wait for the calendar to finally fix the problem in your family. You've got to go and initiate restoration. A second lie the devil uses is, well, I can't forgive them because if I forgive them, they'll keep hurting me again and again. And this lie keeps people in the bondage and the prison of bitterness. I can't control how many times someone's going to offend me, but I can control how many times I'm going to choose to forgive. That's my decision. It's not the recipient's responsibility to make me happy or to make me a forgiving person or to make me someone who chooses to show mercy. It's not their job. My job is to choose. I'm going to walk in forgiveness, regardless of how many times they offend me. Here's another lie the devil uses, and that is, I can't forgive them if I can't forget what they did to me. But see, forgiveness doesn't erase the memory. Forgiveness helps us to look at the memory through a different perspective. If we can't forgive someone just because we can't forget the memory, man, we won't be forgiving people anywhere or any time because the memories are always going to be with us. But we have to choose that, you know what, I can't release maybe the memory of what happened. It's, it's always going to be there. But I can release the poison that is causing me to look at that memory with bitterness. I'm going to choose to forgive them so that when I look at that memory, I can go, thank God that I didn't stay bitter about that, that he restored that relationship, that he restored my heart from that situation. I don't have to look back on it with a sense of poison or a chip on my shoulder, but I can truly say I'm free from that memory. I am not held in captivity by it. If we're going to have healthy marriages and healthy relationships, even as singles, if we're going to be a healthy person that God wants us to be on the inside, we're going to have to shift our expectations. We're going to have to shift what we're expecting of people. I heard this comedian, someone showed me a little clip from a comedian, and, and he comes out on stage and everybody's clapping for him, and they're really excited to hear from him, but right when he comes out there, he goes, lower your expectations, lower your expectations. I thought that was really funny. Maybe I'll come out here on Sunday morning sometime, lower your expectations. You're like, we weren't clapping for you anyway. All right. They're already low. Okay, but that's good. This is what I want to tell you today. Lower your expectations of what people can do for you and increase your expectations of what God can do in you. Lower your expectations of what you're expecting your spouse, your spouse to do for you and increase your expectations of what you're expecting God to do in you. If you think about it, underneath the surface of that idea of, I'm expecting you to do more for me. I'm expecting you to treat me better. I'm expecting you to serve me more. I'm expecting you to forgive faster than you forgave. I'm expecting this, and I'm expecting that, and I'm expecting... We're putting all this pressure on people to make us feel happy. People to make us feel peaceful. People, we're, we're expecting more from man than we are from God. God said he can't solve that problem in your heart. Jacob can't fix the emptiness in your soul, the comparison issue that you have with your sister. Your husband can't fix the problem you have with your parents. Your wife can't solve the problem you have as a man searching for that affirmation. No matter how much she gives encouragement to you, it'll never be enough. And it's not that we don't want to expect something from the people around us, but we want to take the pressure off them trying to do everything and put the pressure on God to do something on the inside of us, to bring healing in our hearts. If we're going to have healing, if broken hearts are going to experience wholeness and healing, we've got to shift our expectations off what man can do for us 
and increase our expectations of what God can do in us. Here's a great example right here. Mark chapter 5, this woman. In verse 25, she had gone to all the doctors. She had been bleeding for 12 years. Look at this. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors in verse 26. Mark chapter 5. Over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay man. But she got no better. You can do everything you can trying to get someone to fix you, get someone to heal you, get someone to change you. Oftentimes, we go into marriage expecting our spouse to fix us, expecting our spouse to complete us. You complete me, like the movies say. We're looking at some unrealistic idea. And we're putting these pressures, expectations on people to try and meet something that they can't do. Trying to squeeze out of a person what only God can do. And this woman heard Jesus is coming through the town. And she's been to all the doctors. She's had all the disappointment from men, from women that could try and help her. But she heard about Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. He's the healer of your heart. He wants to know you. He wants to reveal himself to you. But Jesus cannot heal what you choose to conceal. He can only heal what you choose to reveal. See, a lot of us in this room, we have the knowledge about Jesus. We have the revelation about the Word of God. But revelation without application produces no transformation. Revelation, I can quote all the scriptures. Revelation, right? I I know the Word of God. But if I don't apply the Word of God, I won't experience transformation in my life. And what Paul was trying to say in Romans chapter 12 and what he was trying to say in all of this is if God can begin to change the way you think, then he can start to change your behavior and ultimately he can transform your marriage. If he can change your mind, he can change your marriage. If he can change your behavior, he can change the health and the happiness of your relationships. I hope the message ministered to you today. And I pray that you would find comfort knowing that your heart can come to God. Broken, uh, exhausted, weary, maybe it's in a thousand pieces from all the things you've walked through. Bring it to God. Bring that broken heart to God and find healing today. I want to lead you in a prayer. And it's a prayer to say, Lord, here's my heart and all the pieces of it. And, Lord, I'm asking you to put my heart back together, to mend what's been broken. Say these words. Jesus, I offer you my life. I offer you my heart. And, God, I ask you to heal me from the inside out. Lord, heal my broken heart. Help me to trust in you. And, Lord, help me to love the way that you love me. God, I receive your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, I'm telling you, you're walking in the right direction. You're going to start experiencing more of God's healing, more of God's love. You're going to be able to love those people that maybe hurt you in the past. You're going to be able to forgive those people that have broken your heart. But just keep on praying that prayer. Keep on bringing your heart to God on a daily basis. We want to let you know about a new thing we have out called the Gratefulness Journal. And I'm telling you, it's going to encourage you to live the life God's called you to live. We want to send it to you. All you've got to do is call the number at the bottom of the screen. Or if it's easier for you, go to our website, pauldoherty.org. You can request it right there. We'll send it to you today. We love you so much for praying for you. I want to say thank you to all of our partners out there that help us and support this ministry. We can't do it without you. And remember, your best days are right in front of you. Being thankful is the key to a happy, safe, self life. 
It's even more important that we recognize that each blessing comes from God. With such a false new gratefulness journal, you can start and end your day by recording your blessings and meditating on God's word. This easy-to-use interactive journal will bring you through this thankfulness process, an action plan for each day and a reflection every night. If you shift your heart to an attitude of gratitude, you'll find greater happiness, faith, and a deeper relationship with God. Using this interactive journal is a record of your thoughts and prayers. You'll be amazed to look back and see how your relationship with God has grown in depth and devotion. All because of a simple reflection of His lessons and purpose for your life. Receive your free great bullet journal today by calling 1-800-760-2360 or go online to pauldoherty.org. Your breakthrough is connected to your gratitude. Get your gratefulness journal today. It's been an honor to get to speak into you. We don't take this lightly, and we'd love to hear from you. So write us, call us, go to our website. It's on the screen right now, and we'd love to connect with you. Ashley and I are always praying for you, and never forget, your best days are right in front of you. You have ways of thinking walled off in your mind that are keeping you from the life that God wants you to live. Join Robert Ferguson on a quest to see our world in a new light. See with new eyes. And gain wisdom for life. An insightful and thought-provoking look at the world we live in and how we see God in it. The brand new season of What Do You See? on the Hillsong Channel. Introducing the Hillsong Team Box, an exclusive monthly subscription that delivers everything Hillsong directly to your door. Here's how it works. Each month, we'll send you the Hillsong Team Box full of exclusive resources at 50% off, free shipping in the U.S., and no hidden fees. A combination of worship, books, t-shirts, apparel, devotional, and more. Join a group of people across the globe who are bringing the hope of Jesus to humanity. Visit hillsong.com forward slash team to join today. You're watching the Hillsong Channel. Welcome home. All right, Lord, I want to see every kid's case. You are watching the Little House Lights coming out of the side. Welcome, everybody, to wherever you're watching. Today is our day. So, we are talking about the hot. I was just with comparison. You don't want to use the alignment of exclusive coverage. Men and women work together as cooperatively. That's where God's image is done. Everybody has to go to the blood, but they can't stop us from moving forward. I want to encourage you to stand forward. That is not the question that I ask. So how do I find the right person? My answer is run for God. So this is what you do. He's the one who spoke and the universe came. The church is the best that does pertain to the God. We've got you covered on the Hillsong Channel. Hey, what's up? Welcome to Walk in the Word TV. We're in a different setting out here today because my dad was in a different setting when he was preaching. It's actually quite a bit more intimate. And 
I can't wait for you guys to hear what he has to teach on the will of God. Let's jump into God's word together. In our study, uh, the will of God is the word of God, and we've been uh, focused on a lot of the places where the word is, is used in the New Testament. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Um, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Uh, the idea that God's will is about the kind of person I am and who he's making me, not about a place to live or a person to marry or a job to choose or a car to drive and all of the shenanigans that go on in Christianity to try to make it into something that it isn't. And then I think probably most appropriately, almost acknowledging really the struggle to discern what the will of God is, Ephesians chapter 5 says, uh, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It isn't a dot. It isn't a detailed blueprint. It isn't a specific plan. God's will is for you and me to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and within the broad parameters of his will, uh, which is his word, to just make the decisions that reflect wisdom in the hopes of honoring him and then believing that God's sovereignty extends to my inability to do that perfectly and uh, still he will lead me uh, to good things in my life. So let's go through uh, what we... Yeah, it is. 
Download the free Stingray Music mobile app.
Download the free Stingray Music mobile app. Yes, I'm a 
Let's go, man, 
Stingray music. All good vibes. Don't get your hands to say and your mistakes as for as for you. Don't get your hands to say learn from your mistakes as for Thank 
Oh, oh, oh. 
Enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile. Oh, I hear you speaking. I'm
Happy, happy, joy, Anybody on the line? 
move. Let the presence and power of God come forth. Come forth in each and every one of our lives. So we can go down the avenues, the highways and the byways, resting in you, Lord. Train us how to rest in you, Father. Train us how to walk in you, Lord. Train us how to allow you to be God in our lives. That means, Lord, we have to be taught how to get up out of ourselves. We have to be taught how to let go and let God. See, we say walk with God, the peace of God. But, Lord, you have to train us how to move in that capacity. So many things in life you called us to do, Lord, you said they were possible. You just said they were easy. What's up, Don? So many things you called us to do in this life, Lord. As you train us to walk in you and with you, Father, we can find out that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's through Christ who strengthens us, Lord. That's how we have to learn how to walk. The Holy Spirit has to train us. Because we don't know how to do that. We're going to do it from a solical perspective. You have to train us how to walk in the spirit. To hear your voice. To follow your leadership. So, Father God, as we go forth today, continue to keep us. Continue to move in us, heal us, anoint us, whatever needs to be done, Lord. So we can truly be used by you, Father. Your grace and mercy, nothing else, Lord. Your grace and your mercy, Father God, nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. Let us move in the fullness of your word. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Well, it's actually snowing outside. Happy, happy, joy, joy. First snowfall of the year. 
I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I want to. I want to. Well, I didn't even grab the list. This, this, this. Oh, did I? I have to look at my bag and see. I might not have. Hmm. But I don't remember Morgan Foley. Rondo Gossichi, 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 Nick Brandon Holly Samantha. Joshua Paulus, Nick Brown, Hans, and Andrew. Bye. 
I think you beat up, but here you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, okay, thanks. Uh, okay, no problem. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're both scared of the bomb, both scared of the Gandasa. Got a hole in my truck, people. Yep, sure do. I wonder if I'm going to make it through the winter without coming up. All coming up. Isn't that special? Push it to go search you to go start a Gandasa. Okay. Where am I at? I don't even know. Joshua Fowler, Snake Van House, Master Morgan Farley, Arthur Richardson, Sharon. Um. Okay. Joshua follows Brandis Kuhn. Any free, who's gonna go switch to go switch to go switch to go Sarkadaka? Who's gonna go switch to go switch to go Sarkadaka? Who's gonna go switch to go switch to go switch to Sarkadaka? Who's gonna go switch to go switch to go Sarkadaka? Who's gonna go switch to go switch to go Randakata? Who's gonna go switch to go Sarkadaka? Benny Free. Arthur Children, Josh, your fathers. Okay, I can't think of nobody else. So everybody else on this. So check it when I get home. Rumble Kuska to the Gossation of Gossation of Sakadaka. Run the Gossation of Gossation of Gossation of Sakadaka. Run the Gossation of Gossation of Gossation of Gossation of Okay, that's the assurance. All right, you Oh, guess what? It's snowing in my truck. Now, isn't that special? Snowing outside and it's snowing in my truck. You can't get no better than that, people. 
And I guess they're coming on this side of the street. So I guess I'll go over there. Isn't that special? Okay. Well, that's the children. Oh, uh, I feel so loving it. Did. Happy, happy, joy, joy. I love my life. It's such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thing. It's such a glorious experience. Okay. Ah, oh, tell somebody's car, lady. I saw you. I saw you do it. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, we got the children. Let's go to um the move family. Rushka to the position, the position, the position, the Gosaraga. Pushka to the position, the position, the Gosaraga. Oh boy, it's snowing out here. Rushka to the position, the position, the Gosaraga. Korandishka to the position, the position. Sumbuske to Bondi. Shafra. The children family. Pushka to the position, the position, the Gosaraga. Pushka to the position, the Gosaraga. Back up. Oh, in this version. Let's get a little bit of Good boy. I'm sure you go to the Kombosa. I'm sure you go to the Okay. 
Tim White, Pierre Shop, Jamal Bridges. Um, one of the cucumbers. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Broccoli, and I'm not doing any cabbage. Just got plenty of beets. That's broccoli. I gotta get it from horseradish. Mastermind 
Пробу просвещения восточного сарга. Пробу просвещения восточного сарга. Пробу просвещения восточного сарга. Сарга, 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 Okay, I guess I might do somebody's help. Maybe Farm, do you have a call? I'll wait on line one. Maybe Farm, on line one, please. Excuse me, would you know what horse radish would be at? Horse radish. Horse radish. Uh, okay. Yes, I guess. That's uh, not a good job, but I don't know where. Okay. Okay. All right, thanks. 
<laughs> All right. Okay. Sorry, I have a phone call waiting on my one. Sorry, it's my one place. Huh? Well, well, right. right. I only get six. I don't need no more. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh. oh, they got green beans, too, huh? Oh, shit. What is it? Yes, sir. Awesome. Real cheap. Yeah, right, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't mad at you on that one. Okay. Gentleman caller, you go say she goes on Rondo, go say she goes on Rondo, Rumbo Stregasa, Sakra. You got Harvey, she goes say 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 she goes Sandra, who's going to go say she's going to go say she's going to go say Okay. I'll just excuse. I got to get somebody to help me. Because I do not see it. I'm going to look there. I don't know if that's like that. This is all. Yep, I'm fine. I'll do it. All right. 
Excuse me, sir. Looking for horseradish. Horseradish? Mm-hmm. I don't have any right now. Okay. If you're, maybe they do have it in can. Okay. You want me to follow you? Okay. Okay. I'm going to have to go to the health food store to get his horseradish. I don't know where I'm at with the list. You got Fannie Mae, you got Harvey, Jim and Pollard. You got Wadgett, Rosen, my parents. Thomas and Shirt, Thomas Scotty, Grandel, Gossage, 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 just over here, but I'll look again. Only I get time to start at least around. Ray Poupon, Okay, let me go check 12, 11, or whatever he said. And I'm out. Where's my card at? I don't know what I did with my card. I 
Department, you have a phone call waiting on line one. Department, line one, please. What's wrong? Don't worry. I'm good. Are you? I'm here. Well, you hear me getting paid. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm looking for horse Told me I'm looking down 11 and they told me I'm just looking at I look at it. I'm not going to be over there. If you do, then you owe me a dollar. to get out of the cold anyway. Oh, you used to it now. <laughs> I saw I saw mustard. That's what I was Okay. Technically, you owe me a dollar. Ah. See how that works?
Hello. Okay, I'm so. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, 
He got his lottery. I'm looking at my hole in the floor. Yeah! Throwing in the car. 
rock, hole in the floor. What else is I'm going to have to go through? Uh-huh. Yeah. Got my going on. All right. Ain't got no heat. Woo-hoo. Yeah, baby. We're going to make this happen, Captain. All right, Put my glove on. I'm going to hold this cold steering wheel. <laughs> oh, yes! Cut the heck of joy, joy! That means some of the people got real jobs and paychecks. We're professed teachers got the day off. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to go to work and get paid. Isn't that special? Mm-hmm.
Okay, this should be everything.
Courtney Collin, Brandon, Nick Brandon, Holly Samantha, Mr. Monsmart, Charles Griggs, Benny Freed, Brandon's kids, Edwin Pearson, Arthur's children, Joshua Files, everybody else. Okay, I got that whole list. The Moose family, the Tolan family, Teresa Carl, Kim, Rumble Skitter, the Ghost Fisher, the Ghost Fisher, the Ghost Fisher, the Ghost Fisher, the Saga, Ronda, the Ghost Fisher, the Ghost Fisher, the Fisher, the Saga, Ronda, the Ghost Fisher, Tyrese, the Jamal Bridges, Warning Family, Humble Coast, the Ghost Fish, the Ghost Fish, the Saga, from the Ghost Fish, the Ghost Fish, the Saga, from the Ghost Fish, the Saga, Saga, Sakra, Iris Daniels, Lana Washington, Bike Boy, Barbara Jenkins. Rumbo Kuskin, the Gossation of Gossation of Saga, Rondo Gossation of Gossation of Saga, Rondo Gossation of Gossation of Saga, Rondo Gossation of Saga, Sakra, Maria's mother, Huskin of Gossation of Gossation of Saga, Huskin of Gossation of Gossation of Saga, Huskin of Gossation of Saga, Saga, Sakra, Tran, Huskin of Gossation of Gossation of Saga, Huskin of Gossation of Saga, Huskin of Gossation of Saga, Saga, Sakra. Dana Scotty, Horumbuski, the Ghost Fish, the Ghost Fish, the Saga, Horumbuski, the Ghost Fish, the Ghost Fish, the Saga, the Ghost Fish, the Ghost Fish, the Saga, the Saga, Sakra. Judo, Fosker, the Ghost Fish, the Ghost Fish, the Saga, Fosker, the Ghost Fish, the Ghost Fish, the Saga, 
Satanic after school program. And the covenant is praying against us. Yaka si kumbosko rondi keska daka dusko boko rombo skiti kando koti kaha sedidia shaka yakara. I guess four. And say, Hushka go Okay, walking in the realm of the supernatural. Hush, could go fish, go fish, go fish, go Discernment. Hush, could go fish, go Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Hunger, and go fish, go Pieces of past is all understanding. Hushka to go sisha to go sisha Financial breakthroughs and turnarounds. Rumbo did go sisha. Dunder to go sun. Raja to go sisha to go sisha to go sisha to Mm-hmm. 
Okay, Father God, what do we have? What do we have? What do we have? Grace, mercy, and favor. Rumbo the ability to press it. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, that that one right there, Lord. Mm. 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 The ability to persevere until the end. That that that's a good one, Jesus. That 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 one. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that one right there. Mm. Mm-hmm. That one right there, Lord. Bosteke, Shandan little Bosteke, Indikishi. Shandan little Bosada, Shandakande. Pieces of past all understanding. Financial breakthroughs and turnarounds, discernment, knowledge and understanding, grace, mercy, and faith, ability to place the to the end. Health, health, and restoration, short run to the world, little Sarada, Sakara. The Luna Mind, Wushka, little Kumbo, Rajiko Sarada, Sakara. The Luna, you Fushka, the Gosishi, the Sarada, Sakara. Clarify, you Fushka, the Gorandiko Sarada, Sakara. Next superhuman strength. Let's go to go say she to go say she to say guys. Suck it up. Peace is past all in sense. Go open our gifts and our foods. Let's go to go say she to go say she to say guys. Suck it up. And I'm going to say that shit, people. Yep, I'm going to say that's all of this. Thank you.
if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I don't know where I would be. Fellowship. Thank <laughs> you. 
You're listening to Stingray Music.
is
You know you always on time for me. You know you never told lies to me. Tell me what you want me, Lord. You can call me your prophet. You never been rude. Tell me what's going on in the world. And I can try and do things my way, but it just ain't so. I'm gonna replace your love. You got so much to give. You got so much to live. I don't deserve what you give. Lord, I do not deserve your love. You got so much to give. And you got so much to live. I don't deserve it. You keep giving me so much love, so much love, so much love, so much love. Oh, Lord, how can I replace the love you got so much to give? You give so much love, so much love. Oh.
matter what comes your way. I'm 
Enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile.
up in some water, your feet won't get wet. Ah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna be fun. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Yeah, happy, happy, joy, joy. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be alright. You, big boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> happy, joy, joy. What are you looking at? Huh? Oh, you know, peoples. I guess I'll switch phones. Oh, on. You don't want to keep it away? You need to get stepped on. All right. Happy, happy, joy, joy. See how far we're going to get today. All right, Father God. Roska the combo, skitter the combo, run the negotiation, 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 Jesus name I pray, man. back this up a little bit. The Lord's saints should not receive everything supernaturally unquestionably, for Satan too can perform supernatural deeds. No matter how the feeling is during the moment of experience, nor how the phenomena appears or declares itself to be, believers should investigate its source. A charge of 1 John 4 and 1 must be strictly observed. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit's to see whether they are of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. The counterfeits of the adversary often exceed the believer's expectations. If the Lord's people will humble themselves by admitting that deception is quite possible to them, they will be less deceived. 
Because of the counterfeits of the enemy, spiritual warfare becomes inevitable. Unless with their spirits, soldiers of Christ take to the field to meet the foe, they should find him coming in to suppress the spiritual strength. Hmm. Interesting. Unless with their spirits, soldiers of Christ take to the field to meet the foe, they shall find him coming in to suppress the spiritual strength. So in other words, if you don't go out to battle, he's coming into your house. So in other words, the battle is inevitable. You can't escape it. So you can choose to do nothing. You can choose to sit, wait on God, all of and all you're really doing is you're giving up ground and the enemy's coming in. So you're going to so basically you need to pick where you're going to how you're going to fight and where you're going to fight at. You can choose say you know what let me put my arm on let me go on out here Lord I'm going to trust you to take care of my household but we got to go out here and do this. Or you can sit there and twiddle your thumbs and say I'm going to wait for God to show me the direction of what to do. Meantime, the enemy done came in all in your household, beating you all upside the head, and you're so used to it and that you just accept what he's doing and saying it's life. I I just keep reading. Whew. Unless with their spirit, soldiers of Christ take to the field to meet the foe, they shall find him coming in to suppress their spiritual strength. Mm. In spiritual conflict, the spirit of the Christian wars against the enemy evil spirit. Now, should the Christian be deceived already, then he fights to regain his freedom. If not, then he strives to rescue others and to prevent the foe from attacking. He takes the positive stance of subjugating the enemy by opposing every one of Satan's plans and works. Mm. So now, instead of me being on the defensive, I've now gone on the offensive. Instead of me trying to fight off the enemy, I'm now going into the enemy camp. Remember, war is inevitable. There's a fight. You don't believe me? Just sit at home and do nothing. Sooner or later, your power's going to go off. Your light's going to go off. Now it's wintertime. We got snow. Okay. Let me see you survive. I ain't going to have no heat in your house. Sooner or later, you're going to want to eat. You're going to have to do something. Such battles are fought in the strength of the spirit. It requires power there to wage war. A Christian must understand how to wrestle against the assailant with his spirit. Mm. Let me read that again. Such battles are fought in the strength of the spirit. It requires power there to wage war. A Christian must understand how to wrestle against the assailant with his spirit. You can't go into that battle with soulish weapons. You can't go into a spiritual battle with soulish weapons. You can't go into... Okay. I always, I always teach that there are two aspects. You got to fight the spirit, and you got to fight in the flesh as well. But you need to understand the differences of how you fight. Now, can't go get J.G. Wentworth or whatever legal team to go and convince the devil that 
he got to let go of your body. Because you got sickness in your body. But you can get the word of God through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And then in the spiritual arena, with the word of God, say, hey, wait a minute, body, you have to come in line. Because in the word of God, it says, by his stripes, I am healed. Oh, okay, so wait a minute. Now, I see the devil still trying to hold me. Satan, you must understand that you too were defeated at the cross. See, now, from a legalistic standpoint, standing on the word of God, you can attack the enemy with the spiritual weapons. That's the word of God. You're confessing your faith. See, those are spiritual weapons. Now, that's in the spiritual arena. Now, you still might need to eat healthy, do take things to fight off the cold, go to the doctor. See, but again, understand, you need to fight in all arenas, people. You need to see what is the root of the problem. Too often, we're trying to get rid of the symptom where we need to really go to the root. And see, the Holy Spirit will take you to the root so you can see what's really going on. And that's what he'll have you to deal with it at. Such battles of fault in the strength of the spirit requires power there to wage war. A Christian must understand how to wrestle against the selling with the spirit. Otherwise, he cannot detect how the enemy will attack or discern how God will direct him in the fight. See right there. A Christian must understand how to wrestle against the selling with the spirit. Otherwise, he cannot detect how the enemy will attack or discern how God will direct in the fight. Spiritual. God has to tell you exactly what to do and how to do it. Spiritual. That's why you got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And how you fight will probably be different than how I fight. Even in the natural way to have war, you got different types of war. You got different types of cavalry. You got the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines. You got the um, elite, elite battle people. So it just depends on where the war, what's the best strategy. God will direct your steps. But if he walks, God will direct him to fight. But if he walks by the spirit, he learns how to pray incessantly therein against the wicked powers. And with each battle, his inner man wears that much stronger. He comes to realize that by applying the law of the spirit, he not only can overcome sin, but also Satan. Did he say the law of the spirit? You mean there's actually rules and regulations in the spiritual arena? You better believe it. And you need the Holy Spirit to teach them to you. Let me tell you something. I'm going to be very, very real with you. You can read the Bible with your mind all you want, but you still will not get an understanding of the spiritual laws and arenas. The Bible, the Word of God, is full of the laws and rules and regulations in the spiritual arenas. But if you're reading it with your mind, it's just words and it's just, and actually a lot of it probably wouldn't even make sense. It's only as the Holy Spirit reveals. That's why, that's why I say you need to ask the Lord to teach you how to pray. That's why I say you need to ask God, okay, God, what do you want me to read in this word today? You can be over in John 15 and God wants you over in Genesis 4. Because he know he can teach you spiritual application and experience in Genesis 4 where you're just trying to go through this program in John 15 and now nah, I've read the Bible in a year. Well, that's all nice and well, but how have you applied it to your life? Because you're not really learning it unless the Holy Spirit is leading you. Other than it's just knowledge. 
Now, again, you're going to start out by just knowledge and learning and reading, but it's a process that you must go through, and it's always called increase. But if you walk by the Spirit, learns how to pray incessantly therein against the wicked powers. And with each battle, his inner man waxes that much stronger. He comes to realize by applying the law of the Spirit, he can not only overcome sin, but also Satan. From that part of scriptures in which the apostle touches on spiritual warfare, we can readily estimate how important strength is in such conflict. Before he mentions the problem of spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, 11-18, Paul first exhorts his readers to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Mm. Where should the strength of which he speaks? Paul tells us in chapter 3, Strengthened with his might through his spirit in the inner man. The inner man is man-centered, the spirit of man. Right there is where the powers of darkness attack the man. Mm. Mm. Okay, I'm going to read that part again. From that part of scriptures in which Apostle Paul touches on spiritual warfare, we can readily estimate how important strength is in such conflict. Before he mentions the problem of spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6 and 11, 18, Paul first exhorts his readers to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Where should, this, where should there be this strength of which he speaks? Paul tells us in chapter 3, strengthen with might through his spirit in the inner man. So before I'm going to talk about spiritual warfare, I'm going to tell you you need to be, some, you need to be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of the Lord. Not your strength. In your spirit, you need to be strong. Not even in your spirit. Your spirit needs to be strong through the Holy Spirit. Recognize the chain. Recognize how this goes. To be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. In the strength of the Lord's might. See, this is again, that's why we have to learn this. God has to teach it to you. Is man's not going to be able to get God, the Holy Spirit, has, man might be able to, I'm just a vessel. And each and every one of you is going to get a different aspect, even though I'm saying the same thing. I'm saying this topic, I'm reading it out of a book. But each and every one of you is going to be able to apply it to your life, hopefully apply it to your life in a different form or fashion because everybody's at a different place. We're all made up differently. Our experiences are different. But God will meet each and every one of us where we're at. The inner man is man-centered, the spirit of man. Right there is where the powers of darkness attack. Mm. Satan's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. He attacks you in your center. He's going to attack you wherever he can. But he's saying, if I can steal your hope, then I ain't got to worry about your faith. Say, now faith is the things hoped for. If I can extinguish your hope, then I ain't got to worry about you fighting me because you ain't got no faith to fight with. If I can steal your joy, your peace. See, all those things from the Spirit of God emanates from your sinner. So how does he do, do this? Well, different strategies. Disruption, distraction, chaos, confusion, situations and circumstances. These are the tools the enemy used to get to you inside. But you, as a child of God, have to learn 
how to flip the script. What we talked about yesterday, who, what, what reality are you going to believe? It's very real. The struggle's real. You're walking in hurt, pain, bad reports from the doctor, children, chaos, whatever's going on. All that's very real. But what does God's word say regarding your life? And then now what do we just read about how will the Lord direct you to fight? Hmm. Hmm. How, what strategy will he give you for your particular situation and circumstance? We talked about prayer, true spiritual prayer. True spiritual prayers is basically to get in the presence of God, to hear what God has to say about your situation, circumstance, and then confess that over your life. Not praying for what you want. But see, if you don't even have that understanding yet, then that's where you're, that, again, that's just where you got to grow up. I just keep reading. How about that? The inner man is man's center, the spirit of man. And right there is where the powers of darkness attack the man. Now, if the inner man is weak, everything else becomes weak. Wow. Right there. If your inner man is weak, everything else is weak. Your core. Your center. If that's defective, defunct, broken, maimed, hurt, damaged, then everything that you do will be a result of, will be a replication of such. Erica's one of her friends saying, hurt people hurt people. Or hurting people hurt people. Then just because they're, they're, you know, they're just hurt within themselves. And so that's what they know how to do. It might have been Mark talked about a dog or whatever who's been, you know, out there damaged. And so now when somebody who comes to, to help him, he attacks because he's damaged, he's hurt. That's what he knows to do. See, that's where the healing comes in, the, what God has to get us. But see, so often we'll build a facade around our brokenness, well, a false image. One of the ministers, actually I think two of them was talking about God's not going to build on your, on your facade. He's going to build on the reality of it. But you got to get to the point in your walk where you, where you allow and you recognize, you know what, Lord, I'm hurting. You know what, Lord, I don't, I don't even really believe you. I mean, see, this is what we got to be, be real. I talk about Lisa often and the fact that the walk that she walked, in reality, she's just really learning how to trust God because of her experiences in the past. So literally the steps that she was taking, I commended her. I was like, because, look, you, you're, really, you're really, it's like somebody that you don't trust taking your hand to lead you across the express when you're going, really? But she did it anyway. You got cars zooming all around you, and here's somebody that you don't trust saying, don't worry, I got you. Mm, really? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to try you out. We're going to see how this will work. Okay, I, I got to cross that first lane. I got about four more on this side and four more on the other. I'm, I'm going to try you out. 
Because, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just truly trying you, Father, because I, I, I really don't, you know, Lord. No, that ain't God. That ain't God. Why is it saying the word of God, Lord, help me in my unbelief? Come on now. This is what we have to be open and honest with ourselves because we're not fooling God, and that's what he wants us to see. If you're broken, if you're not truly connecting with God, talk to him. But see, we don't do that because we believe in a facade. We're living it too much. So what does he do? He said, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to allow life to happen. I'm going to allow situations and circumstances to bring you to a point that you really are now admitting that I can't do this, I don't like this, I don't know, Lord, if you are real, would you please come help me? Even if it's there, he says, now we can work it out. But see, when you're at that point, first of all, you have gotten rid of you. You've gotten rid of your flesh, you're broken, and you're humble, and you say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to learn of you now. I'm willing to accept whatever. He said, we, this we can work with, and he'll build on it from there. Now, if the inner man is weak, everything else becomes weak. A frail spirit produces fear in the heart which automatically weakens a believer's stand in the day of evil. Mm. Now, let me let me tell you something, which is just funny, which dawned on me. Everything that I'm reading, this man wrote. And if you, from what I've learned about this man, this is actually the first piece that I've ever read about Watchman Nee, is that he is his, basically his life was one where he was sick most of his life. And he dealt with a lot of hurt and pain. And it's out of that that where this is coming from. And I can understand that because, see, that's, again, your wilderness experience. When you're fighting for your life and you're trying to get, you know, just your next stance and you have learned to find God is true. You've learned, you learned to find God, I mean find God, and have a relationship with him through his word you really begin to see the truth of the word of God because you're applying it. You're standing on it. You're hearing, you're seeking, and you're allowing God to be God and work things out through your situations and circumstances. So I'm saying all of that to say this. He has written this book plus other books which are full of revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding of things that he has learned. Don't you think the enemy know all of this? Don't you think the devil knows what makes us tick, how we're made? He knows it better than we do. So he, what this man here, what Watchman Nee is, is exposing for us to learn, the devil knows all of this stuff, people, and he's been using it. So what am I trying to say? That you're literally walking in ignorance to a to a foe who's well educated on how to whoop your shambuska and you're walking around here all puffed up and vain about who you are and what you're gonna do, and you ain't got a pot to piss in or a leg to stand on. And the enemy plays you like a fool. Because he knows that you are. 
Anyway, how about I keep reading? A frail spirit produces fear in the heart, which automatically weakens the believer's stand in the day of evil. What he needs preeminently is a firm spirit. Except he understands the nature of the conflict, a believer is not capable of resisting in his spirit against the principalities and powers. Wow. Unless he understands the nature of the conflict, a believer is not capable of resisting in his spirit against the principalities and powers. Mm. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Wow. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Unless you get some understanding, you're going to fold. Didn't I just say that the devil knows you better than you know yourself? He knows how you comprise. He knows what makes these things in this world tick far beyond what you know. Now, so he has a scheme already set up to destroy you. But see, your trump card is the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're not walking in him, fellowship with him, learning of him, trusting him, applying him, then, yeah, there you go. Many Christians find their spirit feathery and free when all is sweetness and light. But just let that be an eruptive war and their spirit becomes disturbed, fearful, and worried until finally they submerge. They do not know why they are defeated. Satan's aim is victory, and to this end he attempts to remove believers from their ascension position by causing their spirit to sink so that he can ascend. 